Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. This Friday, November 14th, call and sick to work show at the Pittsburgh Improv. I'm going to drink with Bill and Randy on WDBE and then going straight to the club and doing an afternoon shoot show. Come day drink with me. Today's guest, new album called Remember This on iTunes. Get it right now. Podcast called Good Times. He is a comedy store veteran, Steve Simone. This is Hello? Okay, are you talking that? Check, check. I think this one's perfect. I don't know why I ever switched over. <laughs> is it working? Yeah, this one's this one works perfectly. Talk? Uh, I have the same Zoom recorder. Yeah. I have the old one. Hold on one sec. And then we will make this official. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first... This is, by the way, way more fucking work than I ever planned on putting into a fucking podcast. <laughs> and ten times more money. For a guy who's making no money on a podcast... <laughs> Do you monetize yours? No. I. I just. I'm not. I still haven't monetized mine. No. I just don't fucking want to read ads, quite honestly. You know? Uh. Yeah. Like, I think it would be like a full time job for me to try to figure out how to monetize it. And if there was cool companies out there, like there was this guy in Bend, Oregon. That like does like healthy f- cheesecake pies and shit like that. He's like this hippie dude. Yeah. And he was like, dude, I want to sponsor your podcast. I'm like, all right, I would do that because he's like a nice guy and he sent me baseball cards. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, he's a nice person. And then my buddy owns this taco shop in La Jolla across from the comedy store. And he always feeds broke comedians for free. Did so talk about him? yeah, I always talk about him. And he's my godson. <laughs> Because he just became he just became Catholic last year. He just became what Catholic last year, and he was like, "You want to be my godfather?" I was like, "Fuck yes!" <laughs> yeah, and he's been feeding me forever, and his food's really good, and he's super cool. He's like nice to everybody, so I give him a shout out. But it's not like he pays me; he pays me in burritos whenever I go down there. Uh. So let's see. There we go. Wait, are you looking? On your phone from the camera? Oh, that's right, so we're cool. Officially starting. That's awesome. All right, it's officially started. I need a clap or something. Let me see your mic. Yeah. And, all right. <laughs> now we can probably sync those together. This is the first time technically. Let's see if I can turn off the Wi Fi so we don't lose the battery so quick. Let's see. Perfect. Oh, that's awesome. Wi Fi is off. Yeah, these fucking GoPros are the shit. I'm telling you, man. I'm blown away. I just started. I got two GoPro for... Um, God, that looks fucking angled weird. So this will be what the podcast is like. is me just fucking micromanaging media. This is not <laughs> fun in the fucking slightest. <sighs> My cousin Andrew is supposed to help out, but he has a job. So I was like, eh. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, and so what, what Steve and I have just been doing is trying to figure out how to put my new H4N or H6 into uh, into 
By the way, I just realized I'm doing video, but I did, clearly didn't dress up for this. Yeah, I didn't know there was going to be a video either. We're dressed yeah. pretty much the same exact way. Running shoes, workout shorts, and a hoodie. Yeah, how old are you? Uh, 41. Four, I just turned 42 the other day. I think this is what <laughs> happens is you just get to a point in life and you're like, it's comfortable and it sets me up to possibly work out at some point. That's exactly what the thought process was. I was yeah. like, if I'm dressed for the gym, I'll have a good time and then I'll get go straight to the gym. <laughs> dressed for the gym, maybe that'll end up in my day. Exactly. And I think that's what I'm doing too. Because like right now, I'll do this. I trimmed up my front yard. I'll go... Um, and then once we get done, I'll probably get on the treadmill and watch the new 30 by 30, 30 for 30 about El Duque. Oh, I, dude, I love the 30 for 30s. I saw a little bit of the one on Bosworth. Did you see that oh, one? Yes. I only saw like half of it, but I was blown away. I thought it was all. I lo- all the 30 for 30s are incredible. Dude, that is, uh, that is an analogy for life. Yeah. I mean, that is, it is, uh, this is like super close to home to me because I this and by the way this is going to sound extremely bizarre. You're going to be like I uh-huh. don't think you're even close to that. But like when you put hype in front of talent mm-hmm. and you put product in front of talent and you just and you don't focus on technically why people showed up. I mean the boss was cool because of the hair and stuff. Yeah, and I remember that. But I remember I remember my dad. I remember where I was when my dad told me about him. Mm-hmm. He was like, buddy, this guy can bench press 425. He can squat seven. Fi-. I mean, he was going yeah, he was through all beast. the stats. And I was like, holy shit. And he's like, no one gets that past this guy. And the first game I saw, he just started lighting motherfuckers up. Yeah. Then you watch. And, and this is, once again, it's not really accurate, but it's just whatever. It's my narrative. But the truth is, like... Uh, I don't know, I'm, ten- I'm tentative to even talk about this, but like, you have a product coming out. Yeah. So you're you're trying to promote the product. Your CD is called uh, Remember This. Remember This. Yeah. Fantastic. I just bought it this morning. Oh, thanks, man. I feel like I'm the quarterback. I'm the fun quarterback <laughs> constantly in my life, in my family. Right. I feel like I'm calling audibles nonstop. Do you want to people over for wine? <laughs> and my wife's just this fucking, just this journeyman fullback, <laughs> just rushing for two yards every fucking. <laughs> So, uh, but, but the, the problem is that you sometimes in this business, you can end up putting, uh, hype in front of the product. Yeah. Like when I wrote my book, I've, I remember saying certain things that I didn't want to deal with in the book. I didn't want to mention, and they just kind of overlooked them and Mm. were like, cause my, my publisher left in the middle and then all of a sudden you're promoting a project in the log line about you it sounds a lot like Brian Bosworth. It sounds yeah. like sounds like. Have you seen this haircut? This guy pounds beers. He's a monster. Like, and yeah. you're like, um. But I also wrote a fucking book, and I'm a comic. I, I hate that. I think being misunderstood is the thing I'm I'm most fearful of. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like where people don't get it, for lack of a better word. And it's weird when. So many people on the business side of things think of what they can sell. What's the marketing angle it's, here? It's 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 that's their job. Yeah, but they don't. Do, I think authenticity, right? That's why I love podcasts, and I think the reason why people are getting into it is because it's so authentic. I had a meeting the other day with someone, and he said, uh, "He said, what do you, what do you want to do? What what? Sh- I'm not, I'm not shitting on what he said, but I I didn't have an answer. But his question was, what show is on TV that you wish you had done? Yeah. And I was like, none of them. Yeah. 
Like none of them. Mine, the one I'm doing, I wish I could do it. I wish I could do it with a little more of my comedic voice, but that's never going to fucking happen. Right. You know, there's, t- there's times where you, where you say things where you're like, that is a genius fucking moment. But it's, right. n- it's never going to happen um, because it's brand- you got to be brand friendly. And I understand that. Like, I signed up for the gig. I right. know what it calls me. But podcasting is so genuine. I love it. I, I love it, too. I'm, obs- I'm obsessed with listening to them. Man, me too. Like you listen to a good one. You're like, motherfucker, that could really, you know, like real good ones. Ugh, I, I'm, I'm in. You got me sold. Yeah. And then you listen to bad ones. But the bad ones are even good. Like, do you ever listen to Brody did a podcast? The F- Festival Friendship? No, 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 no. Long, the, like, maybe four four years ago. Five no. years ago. He's one of my favorite people in the world, by the way. Uh, it is the best podcast <laughs> ever, ever done. Really? It is with Johnny, Johnny Spanish. What's his, oh, what's his yeah. Johnny Spanish, Red Band. And Brody, and Brody, uh, you you don't know if he knows he's doing a bit or if he is doing a bit or if it's just Brody being Brody. Yeah. But it was so fucking good. And it was Brody getting angry that they wouldn't let him do his intro properly. <laughs> that was probably Brody being Brody. Yeah. And it was, and, but it was genius. And I could not stop. I was literally on a treadmill, standing on the sides, holding them, like, like looking to listen. Like, it was so good. That you wanted to focus everything you had on listening to and, it. And it was like, he was like, no, Johnny, no. <laughs> this is why I explained to you when you wake up, you wake up wrong. Like, just Brody-isms. It was so genius. <laughs> you wake up wrong. Those are my favorite ones. Like, I love the ones that, are, that you feel like you're a fly on the wall. Yeah, it's the best. You know? I love yeah. Well, I think that's uh, another reason why podcasts are so popular. I think it's number one. It's so authentic. When everything else seems to be a marketing message, not that look everybody has to make a living, but just have it be real. And I I think that's why kids love podcasts because they've been marketed to these generations. These kids are eighteen, twenty years old since they were in diapers. Branding, 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 and now yeah. they're just like, just tell me something fucking real. Yeah. So uh, I. I love the authenticity of podcasts, and I I think people and I don't know if this is just me, but I think there's a, maybe it's just Los Angeles, but there's this profound loneliness I feel sometimes in the city, and there's something about podcasts that make you feel like you're just hanging out, there, well, and it it's you, the coolest thing. And it gives you a sense of community. It gives you like when you're by yourself, if you listen to a podcast, you feel like you're hanging with your buddies. Absolutely, that's what I love most about it. Hanging out's my favorite thing. In do life. you ever feel like? Do you ever feel like there's a the profound sense of loneliness I've been noticing in spades in the city? But what I've been noticing is, um, like, our old people are ten million times more depressing than like Atlanta's old people. Or oh, Iowa's old people, like when you see old people in Iowa, like if you see an an, an 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 old lady by herself, and by old, I'm not like I'm I'm just a few years ahead. I'm not I'm 42. Right. I'm talking about like let's 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 just say like let's not say 80. Yeah. Let's say 65. Yeah. Okay. And I know that's not old technically, but it's not. No one is 65. Listen to this. Right. But like a 65 year old woman in Los Angeles at a grocery store is exponentially sadder than a 65-year-old woman in Iowa alone. I think that's because of the quality of life that was lived and the t- choices and decisions. Yeah. 
I think LA is a pretty selfish place, and that it makes people unhappy. Like, I don't want to preach, no, but I yeah. think family, friends, community, a sense of purpose. But when you have people that move to the city to prove they're special, essentially, then they hit 60, and it's like, I never want to be one of those guys that's 60 dating a 35-year-old girl, and it creeps everybody out, and you have yeah. to act like it's not weird, you know, because the guy's got money and she's got fake tits. I mean, even when you see those guys, it's there's a sadness. Sad. It's really oh, it's, sad. They're, they're even sadder than the people that it never happened for. Yeah. But but uh, I, one of the I love old people. Like yeah. uh, they're my favorite. And I have a neighbor that's you know she's probably in her seventies, and she told me the saddest thing. She said because we always talk and it like I, like it's lights up my day. Like yeah. there's an old guy who turned ninety. That's one of my neighbors. He's been married for sixty five years. Like the guy's. But what she had told me was that in Los Angeles, the older you get, she goes, you start to feel invisible. And I went, whoa. She said that with her and her friends. And it's a weird city. Uh, a friend of mine pointed out, like, because it's just not how I operate. I love yeah. it here. I'm not complaining on L.A. Because I think this is also a problem in society. It's just easier to see here. Where relationships in the city come down to usefulness. Like people don't want to just be your – they don't want to date you or be your friend because of you. But they're like, what can I get out of this? Yep. And I think as people get older in the city, the perceived usefulness declines. So people are like, you, you don't even exist to me. I overheard a it's conversation with, a, with an older guy. He was an uncle. He was like – that's all I could describe the guy as. Yeah. As someone's uncle. And because he was talking to what I – would imagine would be his niece okay. or someone that was that age in that position. She was from New York and she was talking to him about the business. So every, every year for my birthday, I go to, I take myself to dinner usually, but I not anymore uh -huh. because of my kids. But uh, like I take myself to lunch and I write out my goals. I, I list all my goals. I, oh, that's awesome. A I goal for that. every year I am. And, uh, it's very telling. Like, if I lost my joke book, someone would be like, wow, it's exactly what's going through. Birth I mean, it's very honest. Yeah. I, I want to talk to you about something else, though, but I'm going to say, hang on one second. I don't, uh, but so I, um, I, and, and I, so this year I was like, and I always thematically think, like, where do I want to go to eat? Yeah. Um, I've taken myself to, like, I took myself to Starbucks one time because I didn't have enough time because I had kids. Wow. I've, done, I've taken myself to, to different places, usually like nice sushi restaurant or like a Brazilian steakhouse. But nice. this time I felt like I felt like I really let go of the business. It, not at all. Anyone that knows my career like would be like, you're completely wrong. But I feel like I've just let go of the, my creative side of the business. Hmm. Like I'm not creating for me. I'm really kind of dropping the ball with stand-up. I'm not touring as much because I'm making more money. So I'm like, well, I should spend more time with my kids yeah. and not try to like be greedy. And uh, I think that's the right point of view, though. I think so, too. But you really feel... What happens is if you're not touring as much, you're not writing as much, and then you don't feel creative. And then when you go on stage, you feel like those guys – do you remember those guys that were like famous and they come back to the club and you could tell they were doing the act from the 90s? Yeah. And you were like, this is sad. Yeah. And obviously my act is from 2013, but still, yeah. I, feel like, I feel like that's – you're not writing, you're not creating. So I take myself to lunch. This is a lot about me. And so um, – and 
over and I listen to this guy tell him to to the girl and he's I mean just I don't know how successful this guy is or isn't but he said if you're not a successful writer at the age of 30 you'll never make it in this business and I'm uh, here I am writing my goals out at 42 going hold on I'm not even close to done no. like I have a lot of goals left in this business absolutely and I was like I don't want this motherfucker to like that's this, such a terrible way to look at things horrible way to look at things but there are so but what he was and then and then he went on to proceed to shit on reality television which you're allowed to but he's like it's all scripted they get scripts every day and i'm like hold on buddy i doubt they get scripts like i'm sure they get bullet points i'm sure right. they they go today's scene is this but they're not getting scripts they're right. not mes- memorizing sides no like there's no auditioning for reality like do you know what's really sad i don't i wasn't there i didn't hear this conversation but i've <laughs> In general, what I've noticed, and this is just my opinion and my life experience, that people that appear to be that negative, like, oh, it's all scripted and this is bullshit. And if you don't make it by the time you're 30, that's a profound sadness they have on the inside that they just want to pass along to people around them. Dude, I used to call it uh, – my buddy Obi used to do it all the time. He displaces bad attitude. It felt felt good for him to come into my house and get me – to the shitty level he was at. Yeah, it's Because then it would turn him around and he'd be like, dude, you're in a fucking bad mood. But I was like, no, you Ugh. just gave me your fucking bad mood. Yeah, it's terrible. I can't be around people like that. I can't be around That's it sad. either. Like, I, yeah, because it, dude, I think you treat the people around you and the energy you try to create is how you feel about yourself and your life on the inside. So it's like, I want to be around people that uh, are just positive and caring and aren't worried about the stupid. But like, like I would give my niece if I was that guy's the opposite advice. I'd yeah. be like, it's never too late, and I believe this. So if anybody's listening to this, it's never too late to be the person you want to be. It's never too late. Like you can start today. Like sometimes I get depressed and I like go on YouTube and I watch like that Susan Boyle video where like everybody's <laughs> shitting on her and then she starts to sing. She's got the voice of an angel, and I'm like <gasps> watching YouTube in bed by myself. I'm like, all right, man. Don't let your dream die. Put it out there. I've been, uh, I get obsessed. This is going to sound so shitty, but I get obsessed with media swaying their focus on somebody. And then I get, and then in a weird way, I get their back. Like, oh, that's hysterical. Like, like Jameis Winston is a perfect guy. Like everyone's like, no, Jameis Winston might be a horrible person. Right. He very well might be a very bad person. However, I also think he's like twenty years old. It's like I made a, like they're like he's an adult. Um, uh, I made a lot of really bad calls. Yeah. at twenty six, bro. Yeah. I was a complete <laughs> idiot, bro. I was full blown idiot till I was about thirty two, thirty three, and then even now. In my forties, I'm still going. I can't believe I did that. I just, I just said to my wife the other day. I go, you know what? I feel good because I'm not drinking every night. Yes. And she was like, Well, yeah, but you're taking Ambien on the nights you don't drink. I go, That's better for my liver. I, I go, I made an adult <laughs> decision. She's like, No, that's not healthy. Like, what people do is just don't do anything and go to bed. And I was like, Well, we're not there yet. But like, it reminds me. Do you ever see the movie Easy Money with Rodney Dangerfield? Yes. Where he's like, I don't know how to sleep. I know how to pass out. <laughs> It's one of my favorite lines. God, he was great. I just the showed best. my kids Stripes the other day. Oh, my God. Funniest first half of a movie of all time. But, John Candy steals it with a look. Oh, they should have called him dork. Like, <laughs> I watched it with my daughters, and like, and it was not like I definitely felt like I was like, ah, maybe I shouldn't watch the whole thing with the girls. Maybe they're not set up to watch. But I, I, I saw the not, movie when I was like six or seven, and I, my dad was dying. Hey, buddies, isn't this the best? 
That was it. It came out in 82. I saw it. I saw it in the movie theaters, and I was like howling laughing. Howling. Uh, I remember the trailer for that when the guys are running through the woods, hut, 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 and the guy slips on the log and smashes his nuts. Yeah. And I remember me and my dad doing this, watching the TV, and him locking eyes with me like a duet, <laughs> like, let's go, let's go, get your brothers, get the car, there's testicle humor. How many brothers did you have? Two. And where did you grow up? Uh, suburbs of Philly. Yeah, I can tell by your accent. <laughs> yeah, I can know totally because my family's all from Philly. Oh, really? Yeah, all from like Norristown and Mainline. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. My whole like my whole my cousin Andrew, who people will have drop. met. He's coming over tonight. I'm doing a podcast with Segura tonight. Oh, that's awesome! I love and, Segura. And uh, and and uh, Andrew's coming to kind of set up the GoPros for real. This is me doing the GoPros. Awesome. So I'll just post this. I'll, I might. I'll po- oh, I guess I'll post it. I'll post it. Today's Wednesday. Post it Friday morning. Oh, that'd be incredible. Yeah. So for Thank your you. first week, your CD. Thank you. Um, but uh, but everyone go buy a CD. It's on iTunes. Here's the thing. It's nine dollars nine ninety nine. Yeah. It's such. I think people forget. I you know what stinks is that not enough people are doing. I want to talk about everything else we were talking about. Yeah. But not enough people are doing CDs. And CDs are the most are the are the best display of comedy. Like theaters, I don't know. I said I'd do my next hour special. I've, I mean, I haven't really locked it down, mm-hmm. but I've already asked to do it there, and I'm sure it's going to go down. I want to do it at the DC Improv. Oh, cool! And I want to do it at eleven o'clock in the morning. That's awesome. Yeah, so I do this call and sick to work tour where I, where <laughs> I, great. where I go in, I do radio Friday morning, I drink on radio, and then I go right to the club. So it's Ferris 11. Bueller's Day Off for real. Ferris Bueller's Day Off meets St. Patty's Day. Meets Perfect. The beauty of drink. There's something absolutely day drink. It makes it better. Day drinking is so much more noble than like just doing it with everyone else. It's such a celebration of life, and I think everybody. God bless. Uh, God for giving us this life <laughs> yeah. where we get to experience those awesome moments. But for people that every day go to a job that fucking sucks, and I've been there. Like I didn't get started in comedy until later. And Cold. um I didn't move out here until I was twenty seven, twenty eight. Started my twenty sixth birthday. Yeah. I started my twenty sixth birthday and I felt so behind. And then I remember going up and there were these guys uh I'll tell you their names later, but like there were guys that were my age or younger than me doing stand up and they were they weren't speaking about anything real but I had had this very real experience in college yeah. and I was simply writing about what I knew and taking ass and going to Disney and like shit that we really did yeah. and it's amazing how just a little bit of life experience and a little bit of honesty will go so far in an act it'll, For it'll sure. just the littlest thing will I can sense and I go oh that's fucking very real like I'll make it show a recording. Um, that like that's amazing how that works. But wait, wait, you moved out from Philly. Yeah. Did you? Were you like Big Jay Okerson? Did you have a bunch of friends that are like, dude, you're not fucking funny. Um, it was weird. Uh, the short. Everybody thought I was funny growing up. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't think you know coming from Philly. I didn't think you could do this with your life. Yeah. Um, but I remember when I was like 21, 22, all my friends were like, you got to do this. You're wasting your life. You have a talent. It was almost like the Goodwill hunting speech, like get out of here, go do something. <laughs> but then five years later when I did it, it was kind of weird how a lot of my buddies were already kind of broken by life. Yeah. And they were like, what do you, you think you're going to be able to make a living doing that? Are you fucking crazy? There's a very, there's a big change in, in a career that I don't think people understand is that 
Like the biggest leap is when you start promoting shows online and when you stop saying in your promotion that I will be headlining this show. Yeah. Like that's I remember for, I remember yeah. being like, guys, I'm gonna be in Brea and everyone will be like right back, with who? And I'd be like, No, I'll be there headlining and I was like, I should put headlining, but then if I put headlining, then everyone's gonna go, he doesn't headline often. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But then and then the other one is like when the people ask your parents, so what does he do? He's a comic and he pays his bills by yeah. it. Like that's a big huge Yeah, it was a big step for me. But yeah, that's so. We grew up in. I, grew, I guess it was a little. It was Delaware County, Pennsylvania. I guess media would be the closest thing people not, might have heard of. Yeah, uh, it was about ten minute drive, fifteen minute drive into the city. Nice. And wait, did you start? You started in L.A. Well, this is what happened. I went to college in Baltimore. I graduated, did a couple open mics. There, it was the late night. There was no comedy going on. Yeah. So then. Uh, I would hear about a bar gig. I would show up, kiss the guy's ass, and he'd be like, all right, come back for a spot in four months. I would take the train from Philly, did like three or four open mics in New York. Uh, and then I, I just hit a point where I was like, fuck it. There's no comedy in Philly. New York's too close. If I move there, I'm going to quit. Or You know what I mean? I won't. Yeah. And then I knew uh, – I remember my dad giving me great advice. Like the night before, I just said, fuck it, and got my car and drove. And he was like, you know – where the expression uh, burn your bridges comes from. And I told him what I thought it meant. And he goes, well, it's actually the Romans sometimes before they would go in the battle would would burn the bridges behind them so they knew they couldn't surrender. They either had to win. Oh, shut up. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, neither did I. And he goes, they either had to win or they would die. So, and by it, the way, that's a great name for a, a CD. What's that? Burn your bridges. Yeah. That's, that's a great, great name. name. Yeah, and he told me it was the first time I, me and my dad got real, and he was like, "There's never a right time to get married. There's never a right time to have kids. There's never a right time." Is this your first CD? First CD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That should be the name of your next CD. Burn your bridges. Burn your bridges, because because com- comedy. I'm not not to not to fucking derail the conversation, but comedy's so fucking fascinating and yeah. how much you develop and like what you're talking about right now with just this conversation about your dad will be the fucking crux of your next album because you're like there'll be so many things you have gone through in life yeah and it, and it's so you get so and so so more personal the more you do it i feel like absolutely it's all of a sudden it's like this fucking diary so what your dad said that's a great fucking moment with yeah, it dad. was great and then i just i that was it and because i knew if i came to la i didn't have enough money to go home yeah you know um i didn't have a credit card i didn't have a job i had met paulie shore at a comedy contest so my only, that's it and i just showed up at the comedy store tried to get a job showed up the I, and that's it so i wound up getting a job in a pizza place then paulie shore's guy was like i was a production assistant making 50 dollars a day for 10 15 hour days carrying shit on the set of his movie but that led to a job answering phones at the comedy store so instead of signing up for the open mics, I got my three minutes of employee time for about three years. That was the only stage time I got. What my year first, did you start? That was – I got my job in January of 2001 at the store. Dude, that's a documentary. I could listen to, I could listen to everyone talk about working at the store. Uh, I worked every job there. Yeah. I was Mitzi's assistant. I bartended. I parked cars. I managed. I answered phones. I worked the door. Everything. I listened to the beginning of Ari's podcast where he talked about. Oh, man. That was one of the best. I was listening to that one in the 
gym on the treadmill laughing and clapping like a lunatic to the point nobody got near me, then crying like a baby in his new His new specials get the best title I've ever heard. Paid regular? Paid regular. It's Amazing. The best, it's the best title of a special. I'm so... And he killed it. I was so proud, so happy. I was going to go, but I just gotten off of five weeks on the road out of the country, oh and I was God. like, I hadn't seen my kids, and my, I couldn't justify it to my wife. No. She was like, no, hang out. Let's have dinner. And why don't you just hang out with us? Yeah. Get a good night's sleep. Yeah, she's right. And I, was, and I had gotten food poisoning the day I got in. Uh, so like it was uh, my second night in, so it was a nightmare. But, uh, food but that, poisoning's the worst. Food poisoning really is, does Terrible. really suck. It's, it, there's no, there's, you can't not throw up. Uh, and then you shit and throw up. I shit all over my robe. It was a nightmare. Uh, ter- I got food. Po- I was doing shows for the Navy in Naples. And I got food poisoning Italy. Wow. It was so bad that it was like an out-of-body experience. There was literally – I'm not making this up. This is not like hacky comedy. There was something dripping from the ceiling, and I don't know if it was throw-up or diarrhea. <laughs> I, I was in the shower, and it was everywhere. It was disgusting. I ghost shat in – when I was – when I the when I went back when Aspen was around, I went to Aspen one year, and I got – I think I get altitude sickness very easily. Okay. And so – I got altitude sickness, but I think I really got a bug. I think altitude sickness started it, brought my immune system down, down and then you and caught then something. I got a bug. Yep. And uh, and that I, is so funny, by the way, about how when you get sick, you become a detective. You try to figure out what it was. You're like, yeah. first it was the altitude sickness, then I caught a bug, so my immunity was down. I wasn't taking my vitamins. Had I been drinking water and sleeping my properly, blood pressure medicine. <laughs> um, but uh, but I uh, I was I threw up in the. Tub, but I was sitting on the toilet. Oh, it's the worst. And I threw up in the tub, and uh. I know that I shat all against the wall, but it never, <laughs> I never found it. I never found And I know that it had to be there somewhere. But <laughs> disappeared. None the wiser. So, uh, so, um, so, wait, so when did you get, when did you get past? Eight at, years later. I think I have the longest. Really? Yeah, eight years later. And Ari man, was with me. I could have never, I could have never done the, the store would have killed me. Uh, it almost killed me. Oh, it would have killed me. I had, but I didn't have any other options. Like I lost my car, uh, so I was walking to the store. Lost I, it? Well, it broke down. Oh. I couldn't afford. <laughs> it wasn't like it was caught, bro. It was one crazy night. <laughs> Panama. <laughs> it was the summer they would never forget if they could just remember last night. This summer is shaping up to be one crazy summer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to be in one of those movies so bad, like one of those USA up all night movies. Yeah, <laughs> and like play the fat guy that they like meet at a Wendy's. Wait, I wanted to do. God, I wish I could remember this pitch. I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to do. Uh, God damn it, I fucking forget. Keep going, keep going. So wait, so so eight years it took to get past there because I had no other options because people don't realize comedy right now is on fire compared to where it was fourteen years ago. This, yeah. The store was dead. The alternative scene at the time was like maybe one bar somewhere Then I wasn't cool enough to perform at. Yeah. Laugh Factory had that open mic where you could wait out all line all day in line. Uh there was no no way to get into the improv at the time, so I didn't have any options. I didn't I, I didn't have that. I don't I I often think to myself, I'm very jealous of uh of like you, Ari, Segura Tripoli, yeah. Sebastian, Brett Ernst, guys that I'm jealous of. Guys that decided to be comics without the 
support of anything just went like, I want to do this. And they did it. Like, because I, I don't think I could have ever done that. I don't think I ever had the, like, I had so many good things happen to me so many right away yeah. that I believed I should have been a comic. Yes. And so I believed I, des- I was a comic. I, I, and I, and I maybe felt I was funnier than I was. Because of all these, like, just random occurrences. Yeah, well, I believe in that, too. Like, I definitely think there was foreshadowing, and I look for signs like a lunatic. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I was out here on vacation. I ran into Damon Waynes, who told me I should quit. He literally told me at the improv, he was like, I've never seen you on stage, but he goes, I know you're going to make it. I go, what? (laughs) He was like, don't even go back to Philly. He was like, you're already in L.A. Just stay here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, look, man. I don't know if you're funny, and please don't take this the wrong way. He goes, but I can look into your eyes, and I can see that you're crazy. (laughs) And he goes, and that's what it takes to make it. And he goes, I'm crazy too, and that's why I made it. He goes, it'll take you at least 10 years. The sad thing is, if you follow that advice, here's the thing. That's like saying, I'm trying to think of the right... It's brilliant advice only because... He's telling you something, and if you don't follow what he's saying, then it doesn't matter. Right. But if you do, then if you do follow his advice, then he is accurate. You are crazy. He is right. You are crazy. Yeah. And you will do what it necessitates to make it. Yes. Like, like, it's like saying... Self-fulfilling. Yeah, it's true. It's like saying, listen, if you you take steroids, you're going to get bigger. Yeah, you should get you should you'll get fucking ripped. Well, if you don't take them, then that was bullshit advice. You don't give a fuck anyway. But if you do take, that's they the work. wrong analogy. But but it's the same thing. It's like saying get in the water if you want to get wet. But if you don't want to get wet, don't get in the water. But right. I'm looking at you and you want to get wet. And it, and if you follow that advice, I'm not doing any justification to this fucking analogy. But I know what he's saying and it makes sense. Yeah, it was he did, and I had those little things like I mean I'm out here on vacation. I had drinks with Hugh Hefner. He invited me over to his table. I mean, all in the same night. It was crazy because I used to get drunk and lie because I didn't feel good about myself. You know, like <laughs> I think the subconscious <laughs> thought process was nobody will be my friend, so I have to give them reasons. And I'd be like, "Oh, yeah. you don't think I know karate?" And people would be like, "What?" <laughs> so I had one of those nights where it seemed like a drunk lie, where I was hanging out with Damon Wayans and Hugh Hefner, and I wo- I won this contest. I had not really done comedy. I won the contest that Paulie hosted, and Paulie was like, "You should be at the comedy store." I discovered you, and I'm like, "What?" And I'm like, "This is awesome." I met Seinfeld in New York randomly, and we talked about the meaning of life and love. And he was like hanging out with me, and his buddies were pulling him away. And I was like, "Okay, these are all little signs." Yeah. Uh, first, I I remember showing up at the comedy store to drop off a resume, and Juan Carlos, the guy that runs the place during the day, was like, "Where do I know you from?" And I'm like, what are you talking He was like, you seem like family. You belong here. He was like, you're going to fit in here. I'm like, this is crazy. Really? Mm-hmm. What was it like working at the comedy store? Was it just fucking massive chaos? It was awesome. Because uh, my crew, the my two best friends from those years and to this day, best friends I've ever had are Ari Shafir and Steve Run is easy. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Uh, I mean, it was. I remember when Ari and Steve had a casino in the main room. We were playing cards every night. They had roulette. They shut it down. It was the greatest. <laughs> it was like being tw- twelve years old, professionally, like sleep. Like it seemed like. I mean, I would go to the comedy store every night, 
and I didn't I wasn't past there. It wasn't like I was going there for stage time. I went there to hang out. Dice was w- hanging out every night, having laughs like we we're ordering pizzas to the store. Yeah. Prank phone calls, water balloon fights. It was the best. It's it's I imagine what it, I was trying to explain an analogy to someone about being a fraternity and they were like, "Well, it's stupid." And I said, "Well, no, cuz it's that moment where you realize, oh, I'm a grown-up. I can do whatever the fuck I want." Yeah, and no what I want is have me, fun. Yeah, no one gets to tell me anything cuz I'm I'm not really a grown-up per se, but on paper I'm a grown-up yeah. and I can and I can make grown-up decisions that are very ungrown-up. Right. Like having ice cream for breakfast. Fuck it. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things in life to do. I remember when my buddy Ben Seberg was like, you know what the best part about being 21 is? I go, what? And he goes, we can dr- get drunk whenever. And yeah. I was like, what? And he was like, let's go get drunk. And we went and got a bottle of gin <laughs> and a thing of tonic and just made gin and tonics and got drunk. And it was like, oh, fuck, I can get drunk whenever, whenever. I want. It was a little dangerous. I remember telling one, one of my buddies that, that like... Like regurgitating that information when we were in New York, uh-huh. one of my buddies, and he's been in and out of rehab a hundred times. And I remember, I remember thinking maybe I shouldn't have said that. Like <laughs> I felt I'm, guilty. Like I still part to my this fault. day feel very guilty because I remember being like, oh, one of the things I love about New York is I can get drunk. You can get drunk anytime you want in New York. Yeah. You just, just just get in a cab. No one knows it. No one knows that you were just at a bar. I oh love my. New York. Well, that's what I think so awesome about like Uber and Lyft. It's changing L.A. It's changing the way this city operates for the better, I think. We are it's not way using one. We've paid both our cars off, and now we have no car payment. And nice. instead of buying a new car, I'm just using Uber. Like, why not? It's it's less money. For like five weeks, I did not use a car at all. That's awesome. And so, and then for another, all of December, I'll be gone. So right. what, am I, what am I buying? A, what are we buying a second car for? Yeah. So it just stinks when you have like a meeting in fucking Long Beach. Right. Then you have like, to drive. Oh, great. No. You, you take Uber? I, I, I had to take Uber because I my wife had the car. And I was oh, like, awesome. oh, shit. But we have two cars, but the other car just is a fucking, it's beat to hell. And we need to get rid of it. But I think we're going to buy a second car. It's my wife. I'll just take Uber when I drink. Dude, it's it's cheaper than parking. So wait, I so take that Uber X. How do they how do they know like how do they how how does the process of passing at the at the comedy store happen? You just get like a phone call? I don't know. You into it, I think it's different for everybody. They were okay. <laughs> I I was Mitzi's assist. I went from managing the club. I was her assistant for a little bit. So I would dr- this is how uncomfortable my life was. I'd pick her up in the comedy store van. She would get in, and then there were nights where I had to dry, pick her up, knowing I was going to showcase for her. Oh. And then go out, eat. Or There were times I even killed it. Like I, she, she would sit in the back of the room, and if she didn't like you, she'd scratch your name off the list. Off. <laughs> she, if you got past, she'd circle you. Sometimes she would circle and put a star next to somebody. And there was... One time, I saw my name circled twice. I saw it with stars around it once. And nothing. You're not ready. It's not going to happen. And you're just like, what the fuck am I doing? And I knew I was in trouble when I asked her once. I go, just about other comics, because we had run into Gary Shandling at her doctor's office. And I was like, oh my, because I'm such a Shandling fan. Yeah, uh, yeah. Shandling is really highly underrated with people that 
like are big comedy fans. Yeah. I don't think like like all these people that are fans now that have come to it now don't um, realize how fucking funny that guy is. Oh, I remember his sitcom on Fox and they did one on baseball cards. It was awesome. I was like, this guy gets it. And it was all about <laughs> how rare the card is and the guy kept on getting the rookie card and he was like, Isn't that a very rare card? It was awesome. And then Larry Sanders, one of the funniest shows ever. Yeah. And uh he was really super cool. So but I also knew it took him like seven years to get past at the comedy store. Yeah. And I remember asking Mitzi who was the nicest guy that ever came through the store. And she was like, Gary, he still sends me flowers on my birthday. And I was like, I thought that was awesome. But then I went, oh, shit, I'm doomed. Yeah. So if it took him seven years, because I think she was trying to toughen me up was part of it. Yeah, I don't get that. Uh, for, did you know Freddie Soto at all? No. He was really great, great comic. I've heard nothing him. but amazing things about Freddie Soto. Yeah, he was amazing. And he told me once. That Mitzi told him, Freddie, if you're still intimidated of a little old lady sitting in the back of a comedy club, she was like, this business is going to eat you up. Meaning the reasons why she kept on telling him no was because she was trying to toughen him up so he wouldn't be intimidated. So wait, so 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 you're picking her up, showcasing for her. She's writing, circling your name and starring you, but then... Not passing you Mm-mm, took but, forever. But does the is, I, I'm so out of the comedy store. Like, does she then go to that guy that Tommy and then go? He's I, passed. Yeah, I think it was Duncan. Uh, okay, she would sit in the back. She would when Ari Run is Easy and I were there. She would still come in on Sunday nights and showcase people. Sometimes she'd hit a streak where she'd come in three or four Sundays in a row, and then. I think she used to watch Sex in the City back then, so she would not come in. Yeah. She would, like, Mitzi's coming in, she's not coming in, and there was people that would stay on this quote-unquote showcase list for maybe five weeks until she'd come in, or sometimes two months. And people are like, sweet, she's not coming in, so there's no pressure on me, and I get a free spot on Sunday night, because, yeah. you know, stage time is a commodity. Um, so the way it would work, she'd come in, she'd watch comics. She once told me that she could tell if somebody had it or not just by looking at them. Because sometimes she would just look up, scratch the name off the list. Um, and then you would walk off stage. And then sometimes she'd, she'd call you over. And she'd be like, call Duncan on Monday. Congratulations. That was it. Really? Yeah, and then other times she wouldn't let people know. And then Duncan would call them on Monday. Hey, Mitzi loved you last night. You're a new paid regular. It's crazy to yeah. ask, but could Duncan have just made anyone a paid regular that he wanted because Mitzi was kind of like out of it no because there would be too many rats oh really yeah too many people would sniff stuff out oh really yeah was there a little backstabbery going on at the store at the time uh that's so not who I am like that, that you never even got fuck, fucking involved in it yeah I don't even know like people will tell me stuff now they're like don't you remember this I don't I'm like I kind of mind my business yeah and I think people know um I'm <laughs> kind of sensitive so they will tell me bad news like like I'm kind of like a little kid eating cereal and people make like don't tell Steve about so and so like if somebody's sick or something nobody tells me anything because they know they know I get upset easily where I'm like oh my god we gotta go visit have you ever cried in front of dudes uh oh I had to oh the worst ever Do you know there's this kid David Taylor who's actually a very David, sweet I know sweet. I only know David Taylor I only know David Taylor through a story Ari told about David Taylor uh but I, I think I know David Taylor 
but I don't think he was super nice. Oh, dude, he's awesome. Okay, the David Wait, Teller. Wait, am I thinking I know. of the wrong guy? No, he's he's known as an assassin, bro. Okay, okay, like a verbal assassin. Like there are people that have written complaining letters about him just after watching his comedy. He shreds people because he's so smart. He like was a computer programmer guy from Carnegie Mellon. Was an internet millionaire on paper in Silicon Valley. All of his friends are geniuses. Yeah. Ari told a story about Ari wore his hair different and had like a different pair of glasses on. I think, I think, I forget what podcast is on. And, uh, and it was with Jonah Ray. They were talking uh-huh. about it. And he walked into a party and David Taylor, by the way, D- David, I'm, I hope I'm, you don't think I'm shitting on you if you're listening. I know <laughs> you are, but, uh, but like David Taylor gave him a look and Ari was like, what's up? And then he goes, oh, I didn't know it was you. And Ari goes, wait, that's how you look at regular people? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, 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 I guess. But I thought that was really fucking funny. I could see him doing that. Okay. Well, also, this is the David I know and I've told him this. So it's not like I think he's such a sweet guy that he puts on this persona to keep the world at arm's length. Okay. You know, I've, I think that about a lot of people. I think I think that's probably pretty accurate. I think everybody at their core is awesome, but somewhere along life's journey, we become more fearful and angry. Fear, it's all the same shit. Yeah. So the more you start to build this mask and this persona, and you don't want to let anybody in. Yeah. You know, you don't want people to go, "Oh, I am a nice guy. I am. I want to be, hang out and have laughs." I'm very sweet. <laughs> yeah. I mean. You'd be shocked at how open I can be. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's everybody, but they're so fearful that happens. So long story short, I mean, dude, I Polly's breaking my balls. Mitzi's breaking my balls. I've It's probably five years into my comedy store journey. I have no money. I'm living with this guy, God rest his soul, Fat James, 300-pound recently divorced ex-Elvis impersonator. We're sharing a one-bedroom apartment. I'm taking the bus to work. It's the worst, and Polly was could be a dick, and he was being a dick and just – he was a dick the first time I met him. Oh, bro, he can I, be. He walked into the back room. I was with Louis C.K. and like, I want to say Chris Rock. It was a really nice room. It the was triple like, threat. It of... was a room where you could have just been kind. Yeah. And uh, and I saw him, and you know, this is really sad to say now because I don't really have a ton of respect for him. Yeah. Like, sure, genuinely. Yeah. But uh, I was a big fan when I was a kid. I was like a real big fan. Yeah. Matter of fact, the first time I got into like got into comedy jokes was in russia this guy john was my buddy was obsessed with paulie short quoted <laughs> paulie short of me and we laughed hysterically and i was like i was like motherfucker i've really let paul like paulie shore i'm not focused on how funny this guy is i saw uh son-in-law yeah it's a great I, movie one of my favorite fucking movies yeah, and when good. he gets hit and starts crying and falls to the ground i fucking shit my pants i was laughing so hard <laughs> i was like this guy and but and there and there's so much to like about him yeah and there's so much like so so i see him at the comedy store now yeah. it's granted it's a comedy store and maybe i maybe you're not supposed to say hi to people at the com- i don't Please. i don't fucking know yeah i don't operate thing. like that i'm like yeah, I'm just be a guy. human just, just be, be a be nice human. fucking dude that's it which he it's genuinely was not and i was like i was like oh my god i've seen him do I, awful things. i said i'm a big fan man i'm a comic as well and louis was like Vouching uh, for Bert, you, kind of. Bert has been going up every Sunday night. He's he's absolutely hilarious, Paul. You got to see him. And Paul just looks at me, and I go, I go the scene where you cry when you get hit and you fall to the ground and cry. I go, honestly, one of my fucking top fav- favorite movie scenes in any movie. And he just says to me, he goes, Yeah, why is he back here? And I was like, And no, he just uh, sh- he just shot on dick. me to Chris Rock and everyone, and I just was like, uh, Oh, and I was like. 
And then he was like, looked at me like to leave, and I was like, all right. I was like, all right. And reason one, that was like, that was that became was one that of the back when you were doing the main room Sunday night shows with uh, Barry Katz? Yeah, no, Louis no, Anderson. yeah, Louis Anderson was putting them together. I like, remember they, that. I was yeah. hand out flyers for those shows. That's the first time I saw you do comedy. Jay Moore hosted, brought you up, and you crushed. I was, you, Ralphie May, yeah, Dane would come in, Gary Goldman. Yeah, yeah, I re- that was like 2003 ish. Yep. Yep. I remember that. That's when I was, I was going through it. I was. Uh, I can I tell you this? I think you might have complimented me one night, and I, and it was one of my favorite compliments I've ever gotten. There's like co- the one thing about comedy store guys I don't think anyone realizes is that no one was a dick. Like Lorenzizi, Tripoli, Brett Ernst, Sebastian, Ari, uh, uh, Steve Byrne, yeah. Ahmed Ahmed. All those guys, if they thought you were funny, they would say, "Dude, you're really funny." Yeah, and and I want to say like, I I, I wanted to, I've always wanted to say it was John Caparulo, but I don't think he worked at the club. Yeah, but like by 2003, he was gone. Yeah, and but I remember being back, and there was like, I want to say it was you and another guy, maybe Mark Ellis. Okay, and you guys both were like, man, you're funny as shit, and I was like, I remember being like. Because, you know, I worked the door at the Boston Comedy Club. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's that was one of the – I, I did a show there once. That was my first show ever in New York. And I remember Norton either hosted it or closed it out. But it was awesome. It. Yeah, I think he hosted it. It was like a Monday night pre-show type thing. Yeah. And it was like a precursor to a bringer show. And I had people from Philly go up there. It was a magical night for me. Uh, one of the best sets I ever so had. I've always had a massive respect for anyone that works at a comedy club because I worked at a comedy club. Yeah. And I remember how easy it was just to be a little nice and how much that meant to someone. Yeah. And I remember how willingly we, and I say we, people that worked at clubs, got excited about good talent. And Absolutely. Go in a heartbeat. Like, I remember, I remember telling... Uh, I remember telling uh, Kevin um, Kevin Hart Kevin Hart how funny I thought he was. Yep, and Kevin was like the. Well, I mean, he was so nice. I mean, we were both kind of you know I don't, I'd worked the door, but he'd just come in. He was so fucking nice. Yeah, so he nice. Like, he was like, oh, thanks, man. And then met Jay and Big Jay. Yeah, I remember meeting Kevin Hart at an open mic in Philly. I did. He loved me. He's he he's was so the nice. nicest guy. Yep, I watched him in uh, Cop and a Half, not Cop and a Half. Ride along. <laughs> Ride along. Common has a better title for that, but tremendous. <laughs> I think that it's is, actually a Burt Reynolds that, movie with a small black child. <laughs> Anything with Burt Reynolds, I support one hundred percent. I push my chips in on Burt. So, uh, but yeah, I remember. I remember that time, dude. I think like, I did give you com. I remember seeing you blow that room up. I was having. I was in a really good spot then because I had written a bunch of shit that was all popping, and I kind of got my pre adult voice down of like of like fucking wildly frat boy or whatever it was yeah but it was i was having i was having murderous sets and uh mitzi saw me and passed said he's not ready and louis was like i don't know what you're talking about yeah and then and and then i just was like and then that happened with paulie and i was like you know what i don't think i'm having fun here like i don't think i'm enjoying it i don't feel comfortable yeah i feel like i'd walk back and i'd hide and yeah. I feel like everyone knew each other, but no one knew me. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go back to the improv. 
And I started working in the improv again, and I was like, I, and I liked it there better. There was a bar inside that you could drink. Oh, at. that bar was awesome. Though. And no one called you on being an alcoholic. Like I remember, like guys. I'm not going to say their names, but guys that we all know are very big alcoholics. That I don't even know what some of them are doing now. We just go. Everyone would just go hard as fuck at the improv. Wow. And so I loved the improv, and it was like a little more warming to me. Yeah, it was a little. I I don't know why, but for whatever reason, the comedy that was just it. It was almost like I didn't feel like I'd made a decision. It just was. It, the decision was made for you. Yeah, kind of. Same thing happened with me in the in Boston. I got I, I got drawn there. Yeah, and I just was like, "This is the universe has pulled me here. Yes, this is where I need to be. Yes, and 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 it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm glad I focused. Me, me too. And uh, but I did make this con because not everybody was really nice to me when I started there, and I saw even people that for whatever reason were nice to me, I saw them interact with others, and I was like, ooh, like. So I made a decision to be the, the nice guy. And to this day, when I see a new face, I go over and I introduce myself. Because I know what it's like to be a scared kid with nothing but a dream. Yeah. And sometimes just somebody that belongs somewhere saying, here, let me introduce you to people. It's the littlest thing. But that could be enough to make somebody go, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give up. And yeah. if I can just be that guy, people – I also like the fact that kids come to me with problems and they know i'm a, a, a nice i want to be the nice guy there i guess is what i'm trying to say there's nothing wrong with being the nice guy everyone's like, oh nice guys finish last no they don't i've been a nice guy my whole career That's it's, it. it's it just works you just don't have a lot of enemies you end up finding enemies because people find a reason to dislike absolutely you. people will always find it wait tell the mark taylor story which one? Oh, the dave taylor story dave taylor so i remember this was like right before i it was a good five years in I gotta Google David Taylor. Dude, he's awesome. He's one of the funniest. He's a brilliant dude too. So, long story short, Paulie's breaking my balls. He's whatever. It is what it is. So I'm just like, I can't take this, man. It's been like a 12 hour day, 13 hour day for no money, and now he's sending me out to go get dog food in the middle of the night to drive up to his fucking house. And I just was like, I, 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 I'm done. Like, I'm at the low point. What happens with comedy? Oh, I don't know David Taylor. And. uh he catches me crying by myself. Wait, I do know David Taylor. He, he catches catch, you crying. Yeah, and I'm like the last person in the world. Like He was like, Simone, what's going on? And I'm like, nothing. And he was like, are you crying? And I'm like, no. <laughs> it's like the meanest person in the world catches you crying, and he was so cool about the it. The meanest person in the world. I think I do know David Taylor. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, is he still do stand-up? Yes. Where is he? Is he at the store? Yep, he's at the store, and he. I think I've seen. I know I've seen him do stand up. Yeah, and he's written on a couple of Comedy Central shows. Yeah, I know I've seen him do stand up. I don't know. I'm sure he's like does not know me, but I always feel everybody like I know, knows you. Dude. No, I think I know people before. I definitely know people before they know me. Like I'm one of those guys. Like I remember. In, I remember in grade school, I knew who all the fifth graders were when I was in first grade. Yeah, yeah me too. I'm the. I've been the same exact way. One of my favorite Brody jokes ever is when he was like Chelsea Handler. What, what, how's he say it? He was like, I've known Chelsea for 12 years. She's known me for three. <laughs> he's he's one of my favorites. I knew Brody before Brody knew me. I knew pretty much everybody before that. And even now, I always assume somebody doesn't know me. I always say my name when I introduce myself to people. Always. When I say hi to people, I like, go, oh, hey, it's Bert. And they're like, no, I, I know. Uh, Gene, not Gene Pompa. Gene Pompa. Gene He's Pompa tremendous. Is one of my favorite fucking He's tremendous. Beings. Yeah, he is awesome. He is so funny. Um, uh, Tom Papa. Love that dude. I always say, I always say my name to Tom. I yeah. always go, hey, Thomas Bert. Because I don't want him to ever go. Nope. 
Like, because he's got to know a million people. A million people. Like, he's got to know. And so, like, I, so we were eating dinner. I was, I was, this is probably a situation you've, you'd feel akin to. We were eating dinner at uh, California Pete's Kitchen with me and my family. Nice. My sisters are there. I'm there. And uh, we're all talking. I see Tom with his family, like, a table over. But there's something in between us. So, but I can see him. But yeah. I saw him, and then in my head, I'm like, "Do I?" Yeah, that's what. I, that's a dilemma I have often, where I'm like, I, "What's the more polite thing to do?" Do I go over and say hello, and then he knows that I'm here, and he's got to deal with the fact that I'm that maybe I've I'm going to be making eyes. To, I don't know who yeah. fucking knows. Yes, I th- and yeah, I get in my head so much thinking what's going on in their head, yeah. and I'm like, "How do I make this person as comfortable and to show my respect for the?" And sometimes I just go to is ignoring them the proper is it, thing is it or now Would, am I being phony? Yes, because now I'm just like so. I literally was like I was like all right, I need to. I was like I, this is making me so uncomfortable. Got to go I, over, I, jump I just, on the grenade, shake the hand, thank you. I don't want to interrupt. Yep. Boom. And so I just walked over. I go, hey Tom, it's Bert Kreischer, and he goes, oh hey Bert. And I was like, just wanted to say hi. We're eating dinner over there. Didn't want to bother you, but I just got to say hi. And he was yeah. like, no no no, who are you with? And I was like, it's my sister's my. And then now I'm like, now I'm like dial it back there, Papa. I'm like no, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> but he was so regular that I felt stupid for even doing that. And then as we sat like. Twice, like we made a joke to each other back and forth, but then I saw him in the um, <laughs> the complete total opposite. I think I had just I was going to Alabama to drive motor. No, I was, I'd been in Hawaii riding motorcycles, oh, so and I cool. thought about him because he he life. rides motorcycles. So I uh, I know Tom right? Papa. Yes, yes, like rode a motorcycle across country to California with his wife on the back. Oh, he's awesome, dude. He's not what you think. I can have him on the podcast, but. His dad's still in a motorcycle. His dad got like one of those electric glides. Wow. And like st- rides all over the place. So um, I, 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 when I was riding motorcycles in Hawaii, I thought about him and I thought, so beautiful. So there's like only a, like, I think of like a handful of people that I know that ride motorcycles. My buddy Terry in Canada, who, who does, uh, you ever done uh, the comic strip up there? No. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with Burn next week in Calgary. It's, I don't uh, know what club that is. That's yuck, 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 maybe. But um, uh, Terry has a radio show up there. He rides motorcycles. Um, my buddy Brinton, who was on Trip Flip, rides motorcycles. Cool. Like th- at the time, this is who I'm thinking of. Um, uh, Tom Papa rides motorcycles, and that's kind of all. Like at the time, that's all I'm like I'm yeah. thinking about those guys. Through your old ex, like yeah. yeah. And so I, I, I'm at Gelson's, and I see Papa walk, turn, turn a corner, and I just jumped on him. I'm like, Thomas Burt! Oh, my God, I just rode motorcycles. And I was, but it, it was, he was trying to get out of the way because we were in the middle of like where everyone lines up. So it looked like he was walking away from me. Oh, that's hysterical. I saw Fred Durst at Gelson's yesterday, and I didn't know if I should say anything. Tremendous. I wanted to say something so bad. One of my favorite celebrity sightings ever was I saw uh, – Danzig at a Chinese place in Hollywood, and he came in like he's little, but he came in what? like evil. Yeah, he's little. Glenn Danzig. How tall is he? Shorter than me, bro. Shut up. Yeah, he's little, but he's uh, that. I remember mother that old. Okay, so anyways, he comes in and he's got. <laughs> I was like, do I say something? Do I? And he could tell that I knew. Like you know, when you just the energy just changes, and I'm like, oh my god, like that. And I'm like, do I say something? And I didn't, but the best thing ever is he's got his like evil face on, but then when 
the thought of him eating Chinese food made him so happy that when he placed his order, he looked like a seven-year-old. He was like, and can I get the general's chicken and a side of this? And then he went right back to Danzig face. How tall is Glenn Danzig? I would say like 5'4". Shut up. Yeah. Let's type in my password. Herpes boy. (laughs) I do that every fucking time. Always funny. Uh, I did it to my wife last night. I, was, uh, I typed in her password in front of my cousin, and I went herpes gal seventy two. Um, I should might as well make that my password. Glenn, Dan, Glenn Danzig. You know what's so funny? There, have you seen this Lena Dunham controversy going on? No. Um, I don't want to throw my. I don't have two cents, but I don't want to like say what it is because it. I think even saying what it is is more than what it is. Gotcha. I mean, but like she got, she wrote an excerpt in her book and used the term lightly, jokingly that she was a sexual predator to her sister and, and maybe possibly some of the behavior between her and her sister were unsavory. I don't, it was weird. It was weird. Yeah. It was weird. I think her goal was, you know, like like I said, I, I everyone's attacking her. So now I'm on Lena Dunham's side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like trying to defend her because I don't think she was trying to. I don't think she was trying to be like. I don't think she was confessing to anything. I think she was trying to be like a little silly and shocking, shocking a little bit, and 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 culpable and um and honest. Yeah. I mean, I, I never, I never didn't. I mean, I very definitely never did anything sexual with my sister no. ever, either no. of my sisters ever, but I'm a boy. I, I don't know. I never, I never, like, I don't know. Yeah, me might, you know. I, I mean, I, that old I just, thing's just weird. I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to slam Lena Dunham or defend her. I don't know what she meant to say, and I have not read her book. You got to read the whole book in order to get a, a tone for the book. Yeah. You know, you can't just pull out a page and go, Dude, whoa. Yeah, that's one of the scariest things of life, that anything you create or say or do could be taken out of context, and somebody could try to ruin your life over it. Uh, yeah, I'm very, holy shit, he's 5'4"? Yeah, that's what it looked like to me, yeah. And that's how I serious? knew it was him. Holy shit, he's 5'4"? Glenn Danzig's 5'4"? Yeah, he was My not- wife's taller than Glenn Danzig? <laughs> that's a t-shirt. <laughs> you get a Holy t-shirt. For, my wife's taller than Glenn Danzig. Yeah, that how about, was a, how about a baby doll tee? And you go, this shirt would be Glenn Danzig's <laughs> nightgown. Oh god, I don't want it. He could still kick my ass. But my point was, I googled Lena Dunham because I was like, cause I, I've never been a fan of girls. I've never. I'm not a fan. No. Of, I'm not. A, I'm not a huge Lena Dunham fan by any no. stretch of the means. But the second everyone starts attacking her, I get defensive of her, and I and I want to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. She's on her fucking microscope. She's a woman. She's an overweight woman at that who's yeah. unattractive and has a voice, which no fucking dude likes. No conservative dude's like, oh, I can't wait to hear what the fat chick has to say. Like, that's just – and not, not to, to discount Lena yeah. Dunham, but like yeah. my wife pointed it out to me. I'm not a conservative, but I am a regular dude. And one time my wife pointed out that um, I gave my chair to a guy who was bigger – than me because mm-hmm. I had an exit row. Yeah, I just assumed he was a football player and he had bad knees. I just yeah. looked at it that way, and yeah. I happened to have the single aisle row. Yeah, and the single exit on that on the on the you know the one 
you know the fucking plane. It's a it's an ER seven. It's it's hard to explain. You got to fly a lot. Right. Uh, it's like the the bomb bombardiers. The if you're flying Chicago to uh, Milwaukee on American, it's that. Oh, okay. So um, like one of those little ones. Little ones. And yeah. so I had the single row, and he was in a he was in not the exit row, but there was the exit row was open. I said, buddy. Why don't, or whatever it was But I said Would you like my seat sir And he was like Yeah I would And I said Don't mention it And so I went and sat Back My wife was on that flight We were not She was in the next row too Yeah My wife said Got done She goes So interesting She's like Three or four Overweight women Walked past you And you didn't offer them Your seat But you offered it to a dude Huh And I was like Yeah and I was like, well, there's a lot of, like, you can't just go, ma'am, you're a big woman. Do you want my seat? That's a, yeah, you gotta be. Yeah, and but that's part of it. She goes, no, I think you find unattractive women worthless. Oh, my God, what a terrible thing to say. And I was like, I was like, you know what's so funny is I don't find them worthless, but I definitely put more weight on hot women. Like, like if you're Society hot, does. Society does. And so, I don't know how I got into fucking outing myself as a horrible person, but my point is, Lena Dunham, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of dudes that are like, I'm not watching fucking girls. Does Brian Williams' daughter get naked? Maybe I will then. Right. But like, like a lot of people are like, I don't want to see the fucking, the lead characters, uh, not what I jack off to. No thanks. Right. Yeah, like, I, and I think that's a great point, because that is, it's fucked up. Like, I never really thought about all the pressure we put on women to be beautiful. It's terrible. Oh, it's, it's like, fucking horrific. Terrible. D- like, I didn't realize how many chicks have eating disorders. Dude. Like, all of them. Can I tell you, I, I'm really shitty about, like, about like progress. Like, I go, oh, enough. How much do we have to learn? But, man, I've learned a lot of shit since I was in high, like, yeah. like, and since I was in high school, like, I didn't know a fucking thing about women in high school. Me neither. Now I look at it and I'm like, eating disorders are a very real thing. Yeah, all uh, of them. The, the catcalling video. like Disgusting. I, I've never been a cat... I've never been catcalled. I can't imagine someone actually does that. Yeah, I, yeah. But the fact... My wife was like, oh, fuck yeah, that's New York. Like, dudes, like, walk next to you. She's like, and you just feel unsafe. Yeah, it's terrible. I can't imagine what fucking type of person's like, hey, sweet tits. Dude, I had a friend of mine... Her and her husband are like two of the coolest people I know, but she's a model, and she's the sweetest woman ever. But she puts on like I don't I forget the term she used, but she was like, yeah, I have to be very disarming because she was like, when you look, she wasn't, and she's so fucking cool. She wasn't like, when you look like this, yeah. But she was saying she was like she was like guys get flat out creepy. They make you feel, and she was like, I could be a victim of a crime, yeah, <laughs> because people don't know how to deal with it. And I'm like, oh my god! I guess you do have to sort of put your guard up. She was like, I watched, absolutely. I watched that video. Then I read the YouTube comments. Let me tell you something. YouTube comments should be posted on your fucking skin for a week. You oh my god, that's so that true. Because people say the horrible, horrible thing, and then fucking have no connection to it. They're like, put it online. Don't give a fuck. It's terrible. Started a fight. Didn't even read the rest of that thread. Yeah, dicks. Complete dicks. Nobody's ever like, wasn't my thing. Not really into it. But good luck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I could see how somebody might like this what? it's always like hey faggot die and i'm like i, I was just a joke about cartoons wasn't my thing <laughs> not not my cup of tea but best of luck <laughs> terrible not my cup of tea. 
team of best of luck. You, why can't dude you know and i'm starting to talk about this on stage you talk about getting more personal there's no more moms and that's what's and look i'm not some conservative dude yeah. where i'm like be in the kitchen and raise kids but i'm like we all need to feel loved and we're developing this whole society where people are growing up not feeling loved yeah so they think being mean and buying shiny shit's going to make them feel loved and it only makes them feel worse and that's why you have dicks catcalling at women they're not raised dude they're uh, not raised. The term bastard used to mean something. Yes. Now we're living in a society filled with bastards. Dudes catcalling women. It's because they hate their mom. They've never, Dude, they were never raised. Can you ready? You ready for my theory? And this yeah. is one even fucking meaner. Yeah. And by the way, I apologize if I'm hurting the feelings of all you catcallers. Yeah. Like I, this is how I surmised it. Their moms were whores. Their fathers weren't around, yeah. and their moms, uh, uh reacted to those to that behavior yeah because they that's thought how, that's what love was they saw, and so they thought oh that's that's how i've it's got to be something learned you got well, say i they they say meaning psychologists say that all behaviors learned behavior yeah it's got to be learned and that what they did is they saw it work one time and it had to be just just slutty moms or yeah. like or like they because when you're a kid you're i remember um I remember walking with my mom, and uh, some guy said, uh, some homeless guy, when we were in downtown Tampa, he was like, man, you got one beautiful mom. And I was like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah. I was in first grade, and I was like, and my I want to jump like, into a wood chipper. Uh, <laughs> and my mom's like, keep walking. And I was like, I was like, that's so weird. And my mom's like, oh, some people. And I was like, and, that, and at that moment, I was like, well, I will never do that. I will never be like, man. And, so, and everyone says on YouTube comments, oh, then you can't compliment a woman. I guess uh, you can't just say hi to somebody. Yes, you can say hi. There is a fine line between good morning. Yes. And, acknowledging another soul. And your ass looks fat in those pants. Yeah. Like, I've always say good morning to people. Me too. I, the, okay, I'm not a morning person. <laughs> Like when you said 10 a.m., I set three alarms to make sure I was here on time. <laughs> but what sometimes I feel my reward for waking up early is walking down the street and saying good morning to strangers. I yeah. fucking live for that shit. <laughs> Where I'm like, hey, good, we made it through another day. Hey, we're here. Uh, woke up again. <laughs> High five. Pat. Like, I love it. Where did you record your CD? Uh, La Jolla Comedy Store. Oh, yeah? It's my favorite room in the country. So now who do you tour with? You tour with Ren Azizi? Everybody. I, okay, this is another thing I just started to realize. Life is a team sport, and I never realized that, and how blessed I am to have certain people. I'm on their team. They're on my team. We're all on the same team. Yeah. You know, um, I have the best friends in the world. I, like, I've heard so much about you, and everybody was like, Oh my God, you and Burke Kreischer. Oh my, you guys, you're, you're going to have the best time. You got to hang out with him. You got to meet him. Like, cause I would go out with Burn. I'd go out with Renazizi. I'd go out with Ari. They all have the best things in the world to I, say about Yeah, me. I love all those guys. All of them. I'm just lucky, man. I've been out with Dalia. I've been out with, um, I've even been out with Paulie every once in a while. Like, it's just cool, man. Yeah. Joey Diaz. Are you kidding I me? I fucking love Joey. Funniest person in the world. Like, I love that dude. He dressed love up for Halloween. He, I forgot what he wore, but he dressed the up. Wizard of Oz. His daughter was Dorothy. Joey was the wizard. <laughs> Tremendous. He had a wizard hat on. Oh, oh, I love that I guy so love much. That guy. I do. I love him. It's uh, He's an interesting... He genuinely is one of the more interesting, fascinating people. So he's yeah. got a heart of gold. Heart he's of gold. So there for you whenever you need him. Yep. Um, 
But then there's a very genuine, vulnerable side to him. For sure. That you get to see. And and when you see it, you're just like, shut the fuck up. It's the best. Burn's an interesting guy. Burn is like, you can learn something from everyone, I feel like. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's like Joey, the thing you learn from Joey is that he is, he is, first of all, he actually works hard as fuck. Oh, not, and he always has. Yeah, he's not a guy that just sits back and smokes weed. No. Like, he's out. He's checking the breakdowns every morning. He's up yeah. before everybody else. He works harder than his agent does. Oh, he's the one that took, he was. He does it. Yeah, he was like, "This is it. You got to take your responsibility for your own career." Burn. Like, he Go broke ahead. my balls about the CD. Like he, and I know it's because he loves me and he knows we're similar in a lot of ways. But he really was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" He goes, "Don't." I have this. I have a lot of fears that I'm at least I'm becoming more conscious of, and I never realized that perfectionism is the the worst kind of fear because it doesn't seem like fear but i'd record something i'd be like i'm not going to share that with anybody because i'm afraid of the shitty youtube videos i'm ashamed of putting something out there and having having it not be my best and he's like listen cocksucker just fucking get it done he goes you put out the goddamn cd you pound it on facebook and twitter you make connections with these people you start doing these little clubs anybody to let you fucking headline you get out there and you fucking build it and i was like all right fear of uncle su- joey fear of success is is uh is very real and it's and it's only because it's like I'm actually really comfortable failing. Like I've failed yeah. so much it's that a part I actually, of life. it's a it's a it's a safe place for me to land. Interesting. Like I know what I know how to deal with it. I don't know how to deal with success. I don't know how to deal with the pedestal that becomes success. Yeah. Like and the pressure. And I, and I yeah, the pressure of like of like yeah, you want your CD to be number one, but do you want it to be number one and then written up in USA Today as the number one selling CD ever? Right, and then everyone's like, "Who the fuck's this Steve guy?" Right, what, which what ha- is what happened to Dane? Yeah. Like, I don't want that. Like, I don't yeah. want what happened to Dane. Like, Dane had an amazing amount of success, but man, it's like that kind of success scares the shit out of me. Yeah, does that make sense? A hundred percent. So, like, I often go. Maybe I'll just be a writer. Maybe I'll just be behind the scenes. And I was like, I love movies. I want. I don't think there has like you mentioned Stripes. Bro, when was the last time you saw a movie that funny get made? It's they, been they forever. Making, they stopped making. That was a comedy with heart. It was a. It was a story. It was a good story. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like now comedies are like. I mean, they're just so they're terrible. It, they're high premise. They're terrible. As opposed to their high premise. Uh, big, like gags, like big oh, gags. joke after joke. It's not. It's not character driven. Does the deer pee no in his story. mouth? Oh my <laughs> god! Isn't this mouth. crazy? And you're just like, Ugh. I hate mean stuff. Like I hate like all these hidden camera shows. We're gonna make it look like we threw a baby in the traffic. Yeah, you know. No, and then a lot of the comedies they stink. I think the Fairley Brothers, their first three movies out of the gate were the la- They were the last guys that knew how to do it. What were they? What, what you had? Uh, Dumb and Dumber, the first one, amazing. Uh, Kingpin, amazing. Kingpin and then there's was something so about fucking good. Fun. Kingpin is one of the most underrated comedies of all time. It is so fucking good. so good. And I think for me, the last great, com- well, old school was tremendous. Old school was a great comedy. Uh, I loved Step Brothers. Oh, MacGruber was the last one that came out that I loved. <laughs> MacGruber was really good. Laugh out loud, funny for me. I like dumb stuff every once in a while. I like dumb stuff, but I want, I want a comedy. That like, like I don't mind like a, a Zoolander, right? But I want like Stripes, and they don't yep. make it anymore. No, and that's what I want to write. Like Stripes, type. I love John Hughes stuff. It was a little bit sweeter, a little bit more 
on the dial towards like, drama. It was but you know stripes, Caddyshack. You know what they Animal lost House. is like like the, you know my kids. The one thing my kids um, quote nonstop out of stripes that? is boom shaka laka laka boom shaka laka laka boom shaka laka laka. So boom. great. Why did the chicken cross the road? But it, 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 to get to the other side, sir. It, there's no the the point of that is it's it is funny. But it's more like cool. inspirational and cool. cool. It's like Bill Murray was funny and cool. Yes, Bill Murray is a national treasure. Yeah, I uh, one of my dreams in life when I was 13 years old. So this is almost 30 years. I'm 41 now. When I was 13 years old, I was so Bill Murray had shaped so much of that first 13 years of my life <sighs> that I took money. I was a baseball card guy. I'd go up to shows. I'd sell stuff. I'd buy stuff. I'd trade stuff. And I knew Bill Murray was a huge Cubs fan, and I knew he was a huge Ernie Banks fan. So I remember buying and making a trade for an Ernie Banks rookie card, 1954 Tops. And I went, one day I'm going to be able to give this card to Bill Murray as a thank you. Wait, do you still have it? I still have it. Are you shitting me? No, my older brother has it. That dude – that's a that's one that's of my a, dreams. By the way, that's a that's a fifteen minute documentary. And I just want to be able to give it to him. And say, I had this when I was thirteen. I just want to say thank you because like when Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, that was the battery of comedy in my house. You know they you know they didn't speak. Yeah, towards the end. Yeah, they made their peace though. What happened? Why did they not? I speak? don't know. I think it had something to do with Groundhog Day, which was a uh, a masterpiece. Groundhog Day was an it's, amazing. It's a masterpiece. Yeah, uh, I remember reading an article about Groundhog Day where what what I find so amazing about it is. All of these uh, different religions, all these different world religions embraced it as their own story. Hindus, Buddhists, Catholics, really? Jewish people, Muslim people, all saw that universal truth in that. Really? Yeah. What, um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, stripes defined my personality. It defined, like, I didn't realize it until I watched it with my kids. My my daughter was like, you say that. Like yeah. I always, I always say stuff like you. Me and my older brother talk about this. We won't quote things that we don't even realize we're quoting. It becomes who you are. I've said on TV at least five times. Chicks in chicks in New York are paying top dollar for this garbage. <laughs> Anytime I get in the mud or like we do something like chicks in New York are paying top dollar for this garbage. <laughs> so good. I say that to this day. Like. It, that that movie defined who I was. So I was on a job interview once, and I really, you know, the line where the guy is just a formality. Have you ever been convicted of a felony? And Bill Murray goes, "Convicted? convicted? No. no, never convicted." I did that on a job interview once, and I'm killing it. And the guy was like, "What?" And I go, "All right." <laughs> I still got the job, but I know I was, it wasn't a good fit. That movie is. Uh, I thought I used to think Fletch defined me because Fletch was like a movie in college, my freshman year of college. I smoked weed every night. Ordered it. I mean, I lived Groundhog's Day in college. Every night I smoked weed. I got a, a pepperoni and bacon pizza. To me, ordering pizza was the best. Like some people go to college, are like, I can drink whenever I want. I can get laid. Yeah. I get. I was like, we can have pizza whenever we wanted whenever it. Whenever you fucking wanted. It was the best. I got a pepperoni and bacon pizza and a six pack of Coke every single night. Like every, almost watch- paradise. <laughs> I would watch Fletch. Bum bum. Bum, bum, bum. I, when I hear that Fletch music, it's the greatest. I get excited and I go. Chevy Chase killed it, man. Killed he it. Really did. How is it? Isn't it insane that Bill Murray's become an icon and Chevy Chase has become a guy that you kind of like? Uh, yeah. 
Like you don't you don't look at Chevy Chase. I guess he was a mean person. Yeah, that's what I've heard. But I also I think him and Howard Stern. I'm a huge Stern fan. I'm a big Stern. Oh, fan. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, By the I way, I became a um, I became uh, I'm gonna I'm maybe I, or I don't care. I started enjoying Tim and Eric more. Because I found out they, they were, were huge stern, stern fans. Yeah, it, it's a very funny thing. Like I started getting their sense of humor because I didn't get it at first, and then I got it, and I was like, "Oh, I think I understand what I'm watching." Yes, yeah, and that's one thing I do love about comedy. I love how everybody has a different approach to it, and it's the coolest. Dude, Tim and Eric, and I only say this because I got these GoPros yesterday. Tim and Eric do this GoPro series that is so awesome, so funny because it's so. It's so funny. It's so fucking funny. So, well, I, I support them 100% just because they're Philly guys, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. At Temple. Right, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like one of those morons where yeah. I'm like, that's it. I got to back anything Philly. I got Philly. no one in Florida. Tosh. He's awesome. Yeah, but. You. No. Hulk Hogan, bro. Hulk yeah. Hogan's from Tampa. What else could you want? But, like, it's like Tosh is from, like, Orlando, but doesn't really own it. It's, like, where he's from. And, and like, Billy Gardell, kind of. Jim Brewer, kind of. Todd Berry, kind of. Yeah. Uh, fucking. Dude, uh, Billy Gardell and Jim Brewer, two of the funniest people ever. Jim Brewer is one of the nicest fucking guys in the is world. He, I got to meet him, too. I love Jim Brewer. Dude, my dad loves Jim. Jim Brewer's so funny that he's my dad's favorite comedian. Yeah. <laughs> Sebastian's two. I'm three. Well, no, wait, so wait, what were you saying before this? Were we talking about Bill Murray or. I don't know. Or. Um, we're talking about stripes, quotability of movies. God, right now someone's listening and going, you going, morons. It's the beauty of podcasting, though. It's like I watched uh, Getting Dog with High uh-huh. yesterday, and I watched the one with Sarah Silverman and Todd Glass. And, I mean, for a 10 minutes, they just try to remember what they were talking about. The best. And it was such so fun to watch people try to remember what they're talking about. So fun Did to see people be so, humans. Yeah. It have was, a real talk. It's the opposite. Like, God bless, like, Jimmy Fallon and all these guys killing it with late night. Yeah. God bless. But this is the opposite of that. This is just real people hanging out. It's yeah. not produced. Nobody's I, – I love it. I just I'll tell you it. what I like what Jimmy Fallon's doing. He's br- he, he brought fun back. And he's being him. Yes. He's being him. He's not being an, an imitation of what Letterman or no. Leno or Car- Letterman or Carson did. Dude, I think that's the secret to – you had talked about comedy and for whatever reason you were able to sort of do that early on. Yeah. Say whatever you want about the comedy store – for me, it's a place where I formed awesome relationships. Oh, I love the comedy store. Yeah. I think it's an amazing place. I wish I had, I wish I had gotten past there because it's a place I'd love to perform. Oh, but it would have. We got to get you in. There. It would have. It would have broken my heart to to try to work to go my through way that, in. Uh, yeah, it would have. I would have not been into comedy. The first thing I show kids that when they do show up and they try to try to work their way in, and so many people that are. Store comics don't even look at this or know what it's about. But when you walk up the steps of the original room, you have that ticket booth right there. Painted on the ticket booth, it says, uh, Monday night is potluck night. It means anybody with the desire can have three minutes uh, on stage. That doesn't mean you have to be funny in three minutes, but you have to be you Yeah. in three minutes. And that's the essence of everything, figuring out who you are and sharing that. And that's what Fallon's doing. He's killing it with Oh, that. yeah. You're right. Fallon is... Being him, and you know what's so funny is, I like him. He's on, super nice. I too. liked him on SNL. I thought yeah. he was good on SNL. Yeah. Everyone's like, "Well, he always laughs at himself." I don't really care. No, I felt like he was having a good time. That's did it. I think? Did I think maybe he went to the well too many times? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, but 
those moments like that, it's like I, I loved when Spade and Sandler and Farley were dressed as the gap f- chicks. Oh, my. When Spade and Christina Applegate are biting their lips and staring at their yes. feet when he's doing Matt Foley for the first time. That's one of the reasons why I'm happy that I'm old because I saw that sketch live. Yeah. I saw Chris Farley come out as Matt Foley and my head exploded with laughter. And everybody talks about Saturday Night Live. I wish everybody all the success in the world, but to me, Chris Farley was a force of nature when it came to comedy. Oh. Force like that was I love Bill Murray on the show. I love Eddie Murphy on the show. But nobody made me laugh. Like I could appreciate things for being cool. I could appreciate things for being funny. I could. I love everybody else's approach. But just you wanted me to laugh my balls off. Chris Farley, just the way he moved, crippled me with laughter. He was so genuinely funny. Like, so funny. So genuinely funny. So funny. And there was you talk about Uncle Joey and his vulnerability and his sweetness. And to me, that's uh, that's what made Farley. Even See, I was like those broken characters, I, and I feel like I've kind of pitted myself in that direction on accident. Yeah, it's like it's like being a little broken and being a little complex and being very vulnerable. Yeah, and being a little bit of a mess where you're like, like I'm not a fucking come in like dice and like, hey, fuck this guy, fuck you. Right, I'm like a more like a, like a. You know, it's so interesting that you mentioned that though. Um, because I, I was just thinking this thought as you, you said the word vulnerable. Uh, the dice behind the character is a very sweet guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, And yeah. he, years ago, like I was just started working at the store. He saw something in me, brought me out on the road with him and let me – didn't even let me know I was performing that night. So it's like 2,000 people. I'm backstage and he goes, why don't you go on for five minutes? I go, what are you, crazy? Yeah. I don't have anything prepared. He's like, just go out there and do your thing. Whatever. It doesn't matter. And what he told me that night and he was like, look, you did great. There was no way you could have prepared for this. He knew what a big deal it was and he was like, I'm going to say this and don't take it the wrong way. But he goes, you're very vulnerable on stage. And he goes, but don't ever lose that. He goes, because that's what hooks people in. Vulnerability is – vulnerability shows a side of a human that I – that. Like, I don't know, we were, I forget who I was talking about this. We were talking about comics. Are you a man first or a comic first? Mm. Like, are you, a, like, do people see you and go, oh no, he's a man. Yeah. Like, Rogan's a man. Yeah. Like, like, I would say it's a, it's a close tie because you forget, you forget just how funny Rogan is. Yes. Until you're, until, until you hear, like, like he did, he does these, uh, watches the fights and hangs out mm-hmm. and it was him like Brendan Schwab um Eddie Bravo wow and it was and Rogan was so goddamn funny that I was like oh you totally forget how funny he is he's one of the best comedians ever yeah and he's just so, I think the UFC thing the fact that he's a fucking black belt and a philosopher and but take all those other things he is out of the equation just go how's Joe Rogan stand up comedy yeah he's one of the baddest motherfuckers he really to, is to ever touch a microphone he really is and uh and but you f- you forget like uh like fucking um like then you go like Eddie Murphy was a man first then a comic yeah. like you could picture him fucking you know yeah. like he like oh that's interesting yeah well I, I someone came up with it it's not my idea but we talked about it. Um, but I am very much a comic first. I'm very vulnerable. Yeah. And, I, and I, my insecurities kind of drive me as a person. Like, I, I definitely am driven by my insecurities. Uh, yeah. I think that's the only reason people get involved in this 
type of life. And for uh, look, yeah, I'm yes. working on all of it. Are I'm, you in therapy? Uh, no. Have you ever been? No. Oh, you'd love it. Yeah, I would love it. Everybody tells it. me that. But I, I read a lot of self help book type stuff. I uh, I'm always working on myself. You yeah. Know? And I I I'm blessed to have comedy in my life to have that tool that gift to sort of like the more i try to figure out about comedy the more i figure out about me i don't know if that makes any sense no totally i but the when i'm writing the most i'm figuring the most out about myself yeah and like life i'm going in through self-exploration i woke up yesterday day after my birthday and i wait it was just your birthday like monday oh my god happy yeah, birthday thank you thank you um so i woke up monday i woke up tuesday and i went and i'd been we drank and went to uh um Tokyo Delves. What's that? It's so fucking fun. It's just, it's like, imagine if, uh, imagine if you went to the very first Fridays. Like, right when they were singing and they were chanting and they were. Everybody was into it. Yeah, but it was, but, and that's Tokyo Delves is when it's packed, it's chaos. People are on tables. They're making you dance. They're pouring you shots. You're doing body shots. They're, it's amazing. That sounds awesome. However, when it's empty, it's even more fun. And we were the only people in there. Me, my two kids, my wife, my two sisters, my cousin, and my brother-in-law. Oh, that's awesome. And we ran the place, and we were singing karaoke as much as we wanted. And my kids were singing karaoke. Oh, we did that's sake awesome. bombs. And my kids were videotaping us <laughs> sake bombs. It was so much fun. Did you have the fun. most fun family ever? It was so much fucking fun. But I woke up the next day, and I was like, I was like, I was like, I don't feel, I feel like kind of hungover, but not really, but I bet I could sleep more. And then I was like, whoa, that's, that mindset determines your day, buddy. And I was like, get the fuck up and write. Yeah. So I, I go, you're 42. Were you going to fucking wait forever? Get the fuck up and go write. And I got up, I walked to the breakfast table, I poured a cup, a cup of coffee, and I just started writing. And my, the best. And, and my wife was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm writing jokes. She's like, why? And I was like, because I'm a goddamn comic, and that's what I should be doing with my fucking life. Yeah. So I wrote for like 30 minutes, made the girls lunch for their thing, walked them to school, walked them back, got on the treadmill, bought some shit for the podcast. I was like, I'm focusing on me this year. I'm going to be more creative. I'm going to have so many more outlets. And this is just a little byproduct of it. That's awesome. Is fucking put up the video. Let it go online. Let people... Everyone's always like, what's the man cave look like? Well, this is what it fucking looks like. Dude, it's the coolest room ever. It's not a bad room. Oh, it's awesome. The reason we're going to stay in this shit house forever. It's the greatest. The house sucks. I'll walk you through the house. You'll be like, dude, well, what, first off, I love your neighborhood because it feels like yeah, a neighborhood. It's a great neighborhood. It feels like America. Like, it feels awesome. I'm like, am I still in L.A.? I, I see. I feel the happiness. Uh, one of the jokes I've been writing is this is one of the rare – this feels like a home. You can feel the love and connection here. Yeah. Even in L.A., you go up to these people. They have millions of dollars. You walk into their house and they go, it's a nice place, isn't it? You go – yeah, it's a place. It's not a home. Yeah. And there's a difference. Oh. I've been in mansions, but it's like, who the fuck wants to live there? This place feels like a spaceship. There's, this is the way I think a house should be. There should be kids' art on the refrigerator. There should be a pi- either a pile of dog shit or something. somebody just cleaned up dog puke right yeah. there. Toys everywhere. Homework. <laughs> screaming. Laughing. Chaos. Phones ringing. Every day should be like that scene in Mr. Mom when the, at the fucking end. Yeah. It should have that kind of energy. That's a home. This city doesn't have that. This neighborhood has it. This place has it. This it's is awesome. Home. There's dog shit in our yard right now. The Dude, you have a trampoline. You have yeah. tools. You have multiple grills. This is the coolest place <laughs> this, ever. This is a home. Like I always, I always, um, 
I, I used to be fascinated, like when you'd, and I thought about this yesterday, or two, yesterday I was driving down uh, Crescent Heights. Mm-hmm. I remember I went, I met this chick, and we kind of like hit it off, and we went back to her house. I think we'd met on a hike, and then I said, you know, we should go on a hike, me and you. Yeah. She's like, great. And we went to her place, and her, pl- her place smelled, uh, didn't smell real. It didn't smell like a human. Like hmm. Mike, if you go into my house, it smells like a family. Yeah, it smells like bacon, the best, and like fo- like cookies. It smells like a dude. Family. I almost think joy leaves off its own scent. You can feel it; it's tangible. Do you remember when you were a kid? You go to people's houses and it smelled weird. You're like the best. This is what your house smells like. Yes, that's what I, I remember trick or treating and being like, oh fuck these people. Either drop it in the bag. I'm not walking in your house. <laughs> I dated a chick. I dated a chick, and I we I hooked up with her the first night, and she smelled reeked of bologna. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, I remember thinking, who fucking eats bologna sandwiches before they go out? Like in my head, I was like, she must have been what like kind of in, animal a, are in you? a hurry and just jammed some bologna. <laughs> so I eating over the sink yeah. real fast, <laughs> and she was hot as fuck. So I was like, all right, never, not a big deal. I'm gonna go. Uh, well, hang out the next night. I'm sure it'll be gone. Next night, she smells like bologna again. And I'm like, motherfucker, she must love bologna sandwiches. What was it? That night, I spent the night with her. Yeah. Uh, did not have sex, but spent the night at her place. Woke up in the morning, like at 10. She's like, uh, I'm starving. And I was like, me too. She's like, what do you want? And I remember thinking, well, Bologna? fucking, might as well have a bologna sandwich. I've been smelling it for two days. Yeah. She was like, ooh, I don't have bologna. And I was like, oh, oh my God, that's God. your smell. <laughs> Goodbye. You, you smell like what I smell bologna to be. And I dated her for three years. <laughs> that's the, dude, my buddy once dated a girl that was so dumb, he convinced her that bologna came from the flying bologna bird in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, you can't let her know. Baloney oh. birds aren't real. Those were the funnest when you dated really dumb chicks and you could just fucking have your way with them. And, yeah, I could and, never do it. Oh, it was the best. I dated a chick who one time asked me if the Concord went the speed of sound or the speed of light. <laughs> no Thank you, thinking the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> She's like, does that mean they can't hear anything? And I go, no. They made a, they made a plane for you to definitely to fucking she, she said that. Does that mean you can't hear anything? This is the worst part is she goes, well, how do they stop it then if it goes that fast? And for a second, I was like, how the fuck do they stop it? Like, I don't know how they stop planes. And then I was like, I was like, oh, wait, they don't need to, they don't need to land at this speed of sound. They can fly like regular speed. Oh, that's so uh, awesome. She, same chick. I asked her uh, when I first moved to New York. She goes, um. Are the subways safe? And I was like, well, at the time, and this is what I told her. I go, at the time, it was Latin Kings Initiation Week. Oh, my God. So what they God. were doing is they were cutting people in the face with razor blades. They go, what time is it? You look at your watch, they cut you in the face with razor blades, and that was in Latin Kings Initiation Week. But normally they're safe, but that was going on. And she oh looked at me God. dead serious, and she goes, why do I need to worry about getting initiated into a gang I don't even want to be in? <laughs> oh, how did this woman? She must have been really hot to survive. She's so hot. She Isn't that so weird? How hot. life, bet nature balances itself out. Yeah, she was smart in. She was smart in dreams, like in like in like dream ways. Like, I don't know if I, I, I hope this is paying her compliments. I doubt she'll listen to this, but if anyone yeah. knows me, they know what I'm talking about. Um, she was, she was really. That's my wife. She was. Uh, she was undaunted in possibilities in life. Huh. Like, so, like, 
when I said I wanted to be a comic, she was like, you could do that. That's awesome. And the girl before that was smart as fuck. But when I told her I wanted to be a comic, she was like, oh, you're not like smart funny. You're dumb funny. Yeah. Like, you're, you're, you can't do that. You're not that kind of... like." Very, very funny people are comics. You're like frat boy funny, but you're not like funny, funny. Huh. And I was like, whoa, I'll never tell wow. my parents anybody anywhere again. Yeah. And then when I told this girl, she was like, oh, you could totally be a comic. She's like, you're the funniest guy I know. You could do this. That's awesome. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah. That's so cool. And, so, and she was like, you should move to New York. And I was like, I should. And it was like, she just didn't, like, there were things that she did not, she was very simple in certain ways. But simple in a genius way that like a lot of people didn't have that. It's true. Didn't have that ability to kind of just look at life and go, oh, yeah, why can't I do anything? Right. It's true. There's a truth to that. Like one people. I don't think you're smart if you think everything sucks. If all all you see is obstacles. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, you're kind of a moron then. Um, and sometimes the simplest people have more figured out than we do. Like I. I I kind of think like I had more figured out when I was four than I do now. And then I'm like, no, wait, get back to that point where everything is possible. Everything is exciting. Everything is, is, can, you can make it happen. I, I had a problem working with people in production whose instinctual response was no, because, because you get no. into production, you go, here's the deal. We're going into this Canyon. What we need to do is, and they'd be like, no, 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 hold on. Because they were yeah. so conditioned yeah. to tell you why things wouldn't work because that's how they'd seen the business come out. As opposed to great production companies go, great producers, mm-hmm. not produ- like great producers go, yeah, why not? Like, yeah. I, I'll say this, I'll say this now. Um, the producer I have on my show, director, EEP, EP, co EP, whatever he is, his yeah. is Paul Baldwin, he's on Trip Flip. He is the most refreshing dude to work with because he sees he's the most optimistic person in the That's world. That's it. He sees everything as a possibility. That's awesome. Almost to a fall. Like he'll literally be like, "Why can't we shoot twenty five hours in one day?" Like, <laughs> because there's only twenty four. And he'd be like, "But I bet we could do it." Like he's really one of those guys. It's like before people would just. And, not, and I'm not talking about anyone specifically, but there are people that you just that you'd work with. And they'd be like, "No, no, 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 that'll never work. That'll yeah. never work. The network would never let us do this." Right? Paul's this guy that's like, "Why not?" That's awesome. Like, and I love people like that. I love Me people too. that see that, and that's the way this business is. Is that like I don't know you don't know who's listening to your CD right now. No, it's the beautiful thing about it's this. Cool. You don't know who's I don't know who's listening to this podcast. Let's look at it this way, Matthew Modine. Uh, I, f- I, I had a dream about him, and I tweeted that I had a dream that me, him, and Jason Ellis and uh, Brad Gerlach were riding motorcycles, dirt <laughs> That's bikes. Awesome. So I tweeted it. I just tweeted it. That's what I don't. I didn't think any of them were going to see it. Matthew Modine then responded and was like, was like, uh, who? What? How did this get involved? Then he Googled some of my comedy and thought I was funny. Maybe Matthew Modine's listening to this. Maybe Matthew Modine's doing a movie about Philadelphia. Yeah, who knows? You never know the possibilities of this business. And he's like, this guy's accent's great. You never, you never know. know. Like I, I, that's one of the things that I, uh, I loved about the Fairley Brothers. I remember because I, I, I I was the original comedy nerd. Like I wouldn't just watch films. I'd read, try to figure out everything. I I mean, I was thirteen and I knew Bill Murray's guy was Ernie Banks. You know what I mean? I was that kind of kid. But I remember reading an article about the Fairley Brothers casting. there's something about Mary. And that, to me, that was the role that made Ben Stiller. 
because he had been given shots up until then. I loved his TV show. Oh yeah, that I was, was the role that fan, made Ben Stiller. But that's what took him to. I mean, that I think was at the time of its release before The Hangover. That was the number one R-rated comedy of all time. Oh, I remember my dad. I thought my dad was going to die. Yeah, my parents so went out on a double date with other parents, like other grown-ups, came back. with their buddy, you got to see this. My dad was like, wanted to drive me back to the movie theater to see it. Your dad's got a great sense of humor. The best. Always up for laughs. Um, and I, you know that expression, rolling in the aisles? Yeah. That literally happened to me. I fell out of my chair, and I was rolling in the aisle with the hair gel scene. My dad. Crippled me. My dad in that scene fucking was literally... And what makes it better is my dad loves. If my dad has the most insane laugh, oh, that's my like dad. it's like me. It's like just I. I have the same. Like I just go. It's the best. It's the best. And my dad fucking fell apart in that. <laughs> it's the greatest. But they were talking about like you said. You know who's listening? And the Fairley brothers talked about casting that movie. They couldn't find anybody, and I forget how they stumbled upon Ben Stiller. How that worked out. But I remember Peter Farrelly's quote was, uh, sometimes you just got to let God do his his job. God, yeah. the universe, whatever. Who knows how things are going to work you out? You to church? Yeah. Catholic? Yeah. You go every Sunday? Yeah. Where? Uh, I go to St. Cyril's in Encino. Yeah? And sometimes St. Monica's if I'm on that side. Because my girlfriend just moved from Marina Del Rey to Sherman Oaks. Really? Mm-hmm. You do confession and stuff? Yep. Really? And I was afraid of it for years, like petrified, because oh. I thought I had to be perfect or whatever. And oh. now I just go in and just dump it off. I feel great. I'm like, fresh start. Let's I go. Gone in, I haven't gone to confession in forever. I tried to do confession in the Vatican, but all they had were Italian people speaking people. And I was like, nah. Dude, I'll, I'll go with you. I haven't gone to my, church in forever. My one buddy, I brought him to confession. It had been like over 20 years. It's been probably 20 years since yeah. my last confession. It's the best. I went to confession in... Uh, in uh, in we used to do. There was a cardinal that would come to school wow. like once a month, and uh, he would hear confessions, and you could confess to the cardinal. That was like you're fucking. <laughs> that, that, that's so awesome. The bell rings I'm, as soon I'm, as you said that. I was supposed to. Oh fucking shit! <sighs> motherfucker! 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 I need an assistant. I need someone to streamline my life. Bro, I need a part-time job. (laughs) (laughs) Your assistant assistant is worse off than you. Bro, get uh, to it. God. (laughs) Are you eating my snacks? I think we just wrote a hit comedy. See where we at. Okay, we should probably wrap it up. I've, I've fucking... I have so much goddamn shit to do today. What? Uh, let's talk about your CD. So your CD came out Monday? Yesterday. Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, the 4th. It's Wednesday. I'm going to release this Friday. Yes. And uh, I'm tonight I'm releasing Tom Segura. Nice. Uh, and then Friday will be you. That's and, incredible. Uh, and how's it, how's it been received? Uh, it's so well. It's... Yeah. It's... I don't there's not just the fact so many comedians Yeah, when I saw all the comedians that sent out a tweet for me, like that validation from your peers. I hate the way they do that, by the way. Only because he they go, everyone at one thirty do that and I go, one thirty, I just got your email now. Why can't I do it right fucking now? Yeah, whenever I gotta tell Mike that because I got the I got an email about like All Things Comedy. Yeah, yeah, just give you a hint. Like uh and I was like, Well I'm having Steve on my podcast tomorrow, I'll just do it tomorrow. That's awesome. Um but like Rogan sent out a tweet, oh. Dalia sent out a tweet, Renazizi, like all these people, Ralphie May, Neil Brennan, 
I'm like, these are the best comedians in the world. Uh, you're, you're, you have a reputation of being a guy everyone likes. Like that's wow. a, it's a. There's very few people that. Let's see. How do I tweet? I wonder if I can tweet. How do I tweet your a link to your? Let's see. It's interesting the way you spell your last name. Yeah. With the middle E? Yeah, it's Simone though, right? Yeah, that's how we pronounce it. But when I was doing that show, uh, tour for the military when we went through Italy, it was great because the guys were like, ah, oh, Simeone. When they would oh, is that how passport. you normally say it? That's how they say it in Italy. But we say Simone. Irish, Italian, Philly oh, kid. This is your podcast. Um, fucking shit. Fucking. All right, let me go back. What's the name of your album again? Remember this. Remember. Re- ma- uh, people are like, this is a fascinating podcast. How do you like doing your podcast? I love it. Do you? I know you're super busy, but I would love to get I'd you love on to have you. I'd love to do it. I'd love to do it. It's, the, it's so much fun. Here we go. Now I can tweet a link to this. Thank you so much for having me on here, and thank you for doing, no, showing a it. little Twitter love. That's Mother awesome. Fucker. How come I can't? I can do it on my phone and send it do you to have you. A, do you have a link? Yeah, I'll send it just, to you. Just tweet me a, just text me a link and I'll tweet it. Okay. Um because uh yeah, I it's it's you're you're so I remember the first time I saw you do stand up. Do you remember No. You yeah, saw yeah. me do stand up? Yeah, we were in the back it was at I the improv see, that yeah, was, time? Yeah, at the improv. Yeah. And I was like, Who I go, who the fuck is this? I think I was with Segura and Ari. Yeah. And they were like, Oh, you don't know Steve? And I go, I think I do. And they're like, oh, he's a fucking beast. Dude, I got so nervous shaking your hands. <laughs> Could you tell him? Like, oh, my God. I'm such a fan. No, no, no. And and, and then I and remember then that. I just, your name kept coming up over and over and over again. And then I got the thing and I was like, in my head, I was like, and this is the way I think life should work. Because I go, I should just reach out to him and see if he wants to be on the podcast to help promote your CD. Yeah, but more importantly, amazing. to get to know each other and hang out so that. Like if I if there's fucking dates open or I would, whatever, yeah, they'd be awesome. But I remember Burn telling me stories about you, and then I guess Run Is Easy did your podcast like a year ago, or whatever, or something. You guys yeah. were hanging out, and he was like, "Dude, you got." It. He was like, "I know you two guys are so similar. We're, we like, are very similar dudes. We're yeah. we're both very um, sensitive guys, and we're yeah. both very positive. I think that I don't think that there's I don't I always try to say. Like, I look at everyone forming opinions these days and then throwing their opinions out on the internet, and I go, yeah. it's so interesting. I really put some thought into my opinions first, at least a little bit before I put them out, because I don't want to yeah. hurt people's feelings. Yeah, and then here's the other thing, too. Uh, I want my opinions to change. As I get more yeah. information, I hate how people are like, oh, you're wishy-washy with this. I'm like, no, I, I, I know I don't know it all. Yeah. And what I'm noticing is that society's getting broken apart where it's like, you think like me or you're an asshole. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Number one, I appreciate all different points of view. That's why like, I don't, I'm not politics at all. I'm like, what the fuck? I don't have fuck? any fucking view no. on politics. Where I'm like, wait, you might know something I don't know. You said it earlier on this podcast. You can learn from everybody. Yeah. So I might think something now, but then I might hang out with you and go, fuck, you're right. Yeah. Or even better, where somebody shares their opinion, I go, thank you for sharing that. But I feel differently. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. What's wrong with people? Or they, I don't want everybody to think like me. It's like, How boring would life be? One of the things I love about Burn is Burn loves confrontation. Yes. And I, I can't stand confrontation, but he, he loves fucking it. thrives on it. And I love watching him get like that. Oh, and I love his comedy because of that. Yeah. I, I, he's, he's one of the first people. I've known Steve for a very long time, but he's one of the f- first people that I genuinely, as an adult, decided to be. I was like, I was like. 
I need to be better friends with him. Yeah, he's awesome. And I and and he introduced me to Ernst, Sebastian, Renazizi, Mike Young, Ari. Yeah, it's a great he crew. In, he introduced me to everyone technically by uh, by do, we used to do softball. I know. I've heard about that. It was fucking so jealous. I didn't get. I was probably working as a telemarketer at a gym or making pizzas while you guys were out playing softball. <laughs> I had so many awful jobs. Out What's there. your five year goal? What's your goal? Well, now that the CD's out there, I, I want to keep on doing comedy, but my goal is to write a movie that one day kids will talk about it the way we're talking about Stripes. Dude, I'm putting that in my goals. We should we should write a movie together. I, I, I don't know that. why people don't do that. What we should do, me and you should go out. I'm home all November. Okay. Um, let's go out and get coffee or we'll go get uh, – dinner or something i would love that and and we'll sit together and we'll come up with ideas for a movie that we could write together and then while we're gone on the road and back Work and forth yeah we'll just send it back and forth and then see if we can sell a fucking movie yeah i would love that and i have a a first draft of a script and i would just love to get your comedic insight on it. i think i have the story down and yeah. uh yeah that's it and that's what i want to do i want to make movies and i don't know how to direct i'm fascinated with acting i was in acting class with this guy bill howie that was sam kinnison's acting coach yeah so he, was, he would tell me old school stories of the store he's still the go-to comedy guy in town like meaning he can he loves comedians stand-up so much he's an expert at turning a stand-up comedian into a dramatic actor um but I love that process so much. I had so much fun with that. I would like to do some acting. And goddamn, I'm loving stand-up again because now this material is kind of retired. Oh, it's And I'm great. on stage just connecting with the moment. And so I want to do stand-up, write movies, maybe do some acting, uh, get married, have kids. Ultimately, yeah, that's it. Get married, have kids. It's not a bad goal. Yeah. And I think that can all. all happen. I think it's all doable. Yeah. I think it's all doable. Steve, thank you for doing this, Dude, man. Dude, thank you so much. I really this was the best. It. This has been a blast. Guys, get a CD. It's on iTunes. It's called Remember This. Download his podcast. It's called Good, Good Times. Times. And uh, and hopefully I'll get to, I'll be, like I said, I'm all around. I'm only gone like like two days in November. Next weekend, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then I come home Sunday. Awesome. So, and I'm home all then, and then I'm home most of December. Well, I, I'm in Asia in all, most of oh. December. So cool. yeah, 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 yeah. It's actually pretty cool. You have the best life ever. Uh, I'm not gonna fucking deny that. I really have a pretty great life. If I could just take my kids with me, that would be better. But yeah, but you know what? They're they're not that interesting. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.